It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of PhiliasFlyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am your host, Mark Giannone. And as always, I'm joined by the world traveler from Villiers Flyer, Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, buddy? Mark, what's going on, man? I know, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a depressing day in Philadelphia with uh, the news on Carson Wentz. I'm still somewhat optimistic about the Eagles this season. But, you know, there's still the Flyers enthusiasts out there who want a little bit of banter. And uh, I think we can give it to them. Yeah, um... I don't think there's ever been a more upsetting day uh, when a team wins a division title than yesterday uh, for the Eagles. But, you know, the Flyers are playing, <clears throat> excuse me, the Flyers are playing better than they were, obviously. They they were losers of 10 straight, and now they've went out to Western Canada, and I think we're all hoping they could stay out there for the rest of the season because they've ring, rung off here three wins in a row, in large part uh, to the third star of the what is it the week uh the moose as they call yes. him um so yeah finally i don't know how long this is going to be sustained but so the these last three games what has uh what have you seen that you're optimistic about so you know they lost a 10 straight and five of those you know to be fair five of those were either shootout or OT losses. Four of them were OT losses. One was a shootout loss. Philadelphia fans have been known to be a little irrational at times. I certainly can be irrational. Um, and everyone was, you know, kind of calling for Dave Hextall's head. Ron Hextall came out and said, this is my coach. We actually haven't been playing all that poorly. I think that they got a couple more lucky bounces in, in those three games against Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. I mean, they got, you know, I think they got outshot in two of those games. Uh, Calgary, you know, Calgary put forward uh, 45 shots against them, and the Canucks had 37 shots. So Brian Elliott, who was the third star of the week, was fantastic. And you, you look aside from the beginning of the year where Elliott struggled a little bit, he's been really good. He's been, you could argue that he's been one of the MVPs of this team. You know, you take the uh, the top three offensive guys, Voracek, Giroux, and Couturier out of the equation, and especially of late, because those guys' scoring is, has tapered off a little bit. Vortex has been piling up assists. But, uh, but Elliott was just phenomenal in those three games. And when they needed big saves, Brian Elliott was there. I think it also helped, quite honestly, that the three teams they're playing against, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, they all kind of stink, let's be honest. But, but you know, the Flyers probably weren't <clears throat> playing as poorly as you'd think if you heard that they've lost 10 in a row. And I think they've played a little bit better in those three games. The teams they were playing against weren't as good. And Elliott was phenomenal. So, you know, it's like this is a team that at this point is probably not going to make the playoffs. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's exciting. They've got a little streak going. And now they're home. They've got five home games in a row. they got the Leafs, the Sabres, the Stars, the Kings, and the Red Wings. Hey, if they – look, if they win three of those games, four of those games, uh, you could start looking at maybe a potential playoff push. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a prolonged home, uh, you know, homestand like they have going on right now with five, obviously it's huge for them to win more than not of those games. I still, even if they went five and zero, even if they, you know, end up at the end of this homestand, you know, with eight straight wins, I'm not really too optimistic about this team to make the playoffs. But what's good about a guy like Brian Elliott playing the way he is, and I'm always just the way that this team is right now and the way that they've been all season, I'm just always kind of looking down the road and down uh, towards the deadline. A guy like Brian Elliott, if he stays healthy, um, I mean, I know the contract thing is it is what it is, but you know, if he stays healthy, if he stays hot, if he stays playing the way he is, and there's another big injury to another goalie in the league for a more established playoff contender, maybe that's a guy you could move in a desperation deal for another team. And, and you know, you're obviously not going to get a, uh, 
you know, an elite player or a prospect or a guy like Brian Elliott, but any asset helps. Um, obviously, coming in the year, Brian Elliott, everyone was just kind of like, you got Steve Mason part two, but I was never a fan of Steve Mason. I never thought he was good. I thought he was the streakiest, most inconsistent goaltender I've ever seen in my life. So when he left, I was very excited, and when they got Brian Elliott in, I was optimistic because I saw him play at a high level for, you know, for some pretty long stretches um, for, you know, a couple of different teams. And, you know, he's given Flyers fans right now a lot to be happy about. In no way is anyone thinking that this is the goalie of the future. That guy is killing it right now down in juniors, and we'll get to that a little bit later. That's what you call a foreshadow. Um... But yeah, Brian Elliott right now is, I think he's the reason that the Flyers have won three in a row, because still the secondary scoring really isn't there. You're still getting most of it from, and even though they broke up the first line, you're still getting a lot of the scoring from the usual suspects. Um, You know, right now this team is just kind of, they're in like purgatory of the NHL. They're just kind of, they're not a basement team, but they're not an elite-level team. They're just kind of somewhere in the middle, and that's probably where they're going to float for most of the season. So the funny thing with Michael Neumert is that I saw a tweet about him uh, from a source I hadn't really seen before that, that had said that based on discussions with Flyers management that the team is fed up with Neumert's injury history and is going to look to trade him. So I thought this was kind of hilarious because – Michael Neuberth has been injured his entire career. I can't think of a year that's gone by without him having some kind of nagging injury. So last year, the Flyers decide to extend him for two more seasons. And which at the time is, okay, well, Mason's clearly a better goalie than Neuberth, even if you don't really like either of them. Yet you're going to extend Neuberth. And now this season, he gets injured again, and all of a sudden, enough is enough, and they want to trade him if the reports are true. Now, Ron Hextall rarely lets anything slip or leak, so who knows? But, you know, you mentioned about trading Brian Elliott potentially this year based on the way he's playing. I think they probably would rather trade Neuwirth, and Elliott's been been so good this season, especially recently, that I think you like having him under that contract for next year. He's going to be making $2.75 million, and you've got Carter Hart, who's tearing up the WHL which, you know, we'll get to a little bit later. He's a guy who will probably be the goalie for the Phantoms next year. But there's probably somewhat of a chance that Carter Hart is with the Flyers. Highly doubtful because they probably don't want to have him backing up. They want to have him getting the experience. But I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Michael Neuvert and bring in kind of like a, a lesser goalie making maybe like a million to a million and a half instead of Neuvert's two and a half. You're not going to get much from Neuvert in a trade. Maybe uh, you know, maybe you get a mid-round draft pick or something. We we know Hextall loves accumulating draft picks, but but yeah, I mean, you know, Elliot's been phenomenal, and he's one of the main reasons that this team has been winning of you know over the last week. So let's see what happens when they return home. Toronto, obviously, Austin Matthews was supposed to return in their game against Edmonton, and he didn't. They still won, so it's questionable whether or not Austin Matthews will be playing against the Flyers uh, on Tuesday night, but. You know, they've got some difficult teams in this homestand. The Kings have been playing really well. But but these games are winnable. So let's see what happens. If Elliott can keep playing like this, and maybe they'll get some secondary scoring. Who knows? Secondary scoring would be nice um, for a change. Um, <clears throat> so I guess Neuwirth is injured. Alex Lyon gets the, uh, the call up from the Phantoms. In the past, when the rookie goalie has been up with the big club, um... Dave Haxall doesn't really like to use those guys. This is a long homestand. Uh, they're basically playing every other day for the next week. Um, up until next Friday, they're playing every other day. Are we going to see Alex Lyon at all, or is this just going to be Brian Elliott's net? Alex Lyon goes in in a you know catastrophe of a game or emergency type situation. I think it's highly unlikely that Alex Lyon will be starting any of the next number of games coming up. I mean, as you mentioned, you look at the schedule and they don't have, they've got, what are they, they've got, um, yeah, they don't really see any back-to-backs. They've got pretty much a day off in between most of the games. They 
the 22nd and 23rd, they're at Buffalo and then at Columbus. And I guess mm-hmm. the 28th and 29th, they're in Florida and Tampa. Right. So maybe Lyon starts one of those games. Maybe Norbert is back by the time those games roll around. But I think you will probably see Brian Elliott start the next five games all at home, is, would be my guess. It was funny. Uh, Alexander Appleyard, who's a really good Flyers writer, um, lives overseas, I think in England, had a tweet today about the Flyers goaltender that they drafted uh, this year, Carol Ustamenko. And he's been unbelievable this year. He's played in 25 of the last 26 games for his MHL team. That's basically like the AHL equivalent um, in Russia. And I, I joke, it's a perfect day of You've got this goalie in Russia who the Flyers just drafted who plays basically every single game. I mean, you know, if, if he makes the Flyers, Hackstall can just, they don't even need a backup. Hackstall can just start losing every single game. He loves, you know, riding guys when they're playing well. And I think that Elliott will certainly be starting the next five games, is my guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you you won't, you won't always want to use the the term or whatever. You always want to say that you want to see what these guys have. We're always talking about you know the young guys, call them up, see what they have, and things like that. And this is one of those cases. Now, no one really expects much from Alex Lyon. He's not having the greatest of seasons with the Phantoms. Um, I don't know where he right now, as of what the Flyers have in the system. Um, as far as goal, I mean, and when I say the system, I mean down in the minors. Uh, there's probably not a guy that stands out as, you know, someone that's really going to contend with Carter Hart for being that next, you know, big number one that the Flyers are hoping Carter Hart turns out to be. Um, the only guy that's ever anybody else really has any hopes in that category for being is Felix Sandstrom. Um, but as far as the AHL guys. No one really expects much. They're just kind of there. Um, and that, that's pretty much what Alex Lyon is. You know, he's just a guy that, you know, it maybe he would be a viable backup, but most likely they're probably when, like, like you said, Carter Hart's not going to be up here next year. He's probably going to be with the Phantoms, where he should be, because if he's with the Flyers, he's not going to be getting enough playing time, if any at all, especially with Dave Haxtall being the coach, who you know, obviously Ron Hextall has said that that's his guy. So for the foreseeable future, Dave Hextall is the head coach. So there's almost a 0% chance that Carter Hart will be with the Flyers next season because that would just be counterproductive because he's not going to get any playing time. Dave Hextall would shit his pants if he had to trust a rookie goalie in any kind of real NHL game situation. So, in a way, I want to see Alex Lyon play against real NHL competition because if it's true what you're saying, and it probably is that they want to move Michael Neuberth, then why not see if you have a decent enough backup in Alex Lyon just for next season so you don't have to go out and get another Band-Aid replacement and backup, a Michael Neuberth-esque player. You just have a guy that you could plug in for a year, maybe two, as a backup for either Elliott or in two years, if Carter Hart is ready to take the helm as a number one. And, you know, if he's good, great. If not, then, you know, you have to go out and get someone else, but we're never going to know what Alex Lyon has because he's not going to get the playing time with the Flyers. Unless of course, Neuwirth has moved at some point during this season, but you have something to say there. No, I was just going to say, you're right. You're completely right. I mean, look, Alex Lyon is a 25-year-old goalie with a sub-900 save percentage in the AHL. He's nice. been terrible this year. I mean, his his save percentage is 894. He was decent last year. He probably was better than Anthony Stolarz last year, who uh, Stolarz is still out with the knee injury, and I think he's out for most of the season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're not going to want to play Alex Lyon a whole lot. I think that if – they trade Neuwirth, or if he's going to be out longer than expected, they'll probably try and trade for a more proven NHL backup. You know, Alex Lyon, again, he's 25. Would it surprise me if three years from now he's a NHL starter? No, it actually wouldn't, because he's got some good back numbers, and these goalies, you just never know. They develop at such different stages. But 
at this point, it certainly does not seem like Alex Lyon is going to be getting any substantive minutes with the Philadelphia Flyers. So, but I, I totally agree with you that I think you would will like to have a guy who can prove he can be the backup next year if you're going to move Neuver. And so maybe Lyon can prove that. You know, I also wanted to say that, uh, you know, Felix Sandstrom, I've been sort of public and on record that I'm a little bit higher on him than Carter Hart. So to be fair, he's been out for most of the season with a an injury, not a muscular injury, but like like this kind of like stomach issue or something like that, that he was rumored to be thinking about having surgery on before the season. He didn't, then it popped up again. It's very hard to get information about what's going on with Anstrom. Maybe we could have his dad on the show. He's, he's such a big fan of ours. Um, That's true. That's but, true. Uh, you know, It'd be good to try and get some clarity on what's going on with Sandstrom. But, yes, right now with the way that Carter Hart's playing, he's the clear number one goalie prospect in this organization. But they, they do have some other guys. But in any event, I, I it wouldn't be terrible if we got to see what Alex Lyon had to show at the NHL level. But he's just been so bad in the AHL this year. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's hard to have any level of confidence in him right now. So... I mean, that, that's a good point that you brought up about Sandstrom, and it just kind of jogged something in my head, the fact that these guys that are in the system, so to speak, these prospects the Flyers have that are overseas, you almost don't hear anything about them because I don't know if it's the protection of the clubs that they currently play for, but, I mean, unless you are, like, plugged in to what's going on with the Flyers, as, quite honestly, most fans are not, I mean, they just kind of pay attention to the big club and maybe a little bit of the Phantoms just to see who could potentially come up if, you know, if they need someone to come up. But, I mean, the average fan, if you went up and uh, mentioned Felix Sandstrom, they probably wouldn't know who you're talking about. So, I think just for, you know, just for the fans, uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but just for the fans' knowledge of, what's going on prospect-wise, the Flyers could stand to be a little bit more open with some of their foreign prospects, especially a guy like Sandstrom, who has such high promise. Um, I don't know. It's not really a huge issue, but maybe they could work something out with that. Um, So, the big name that we've already talked about today is um, a goaltender for the Everett Silvertips of the uh, WHL, one Carter Hart, who is absolutely murdering the league he is playing in right now. A 1-3-2 goals against average in 17 games, 9-6-1 save percentage. Now, you in the past have said, and you've you've tampered my, uh, my enthusiasm on Carter Hart because of his subpar play, if you want to put it that way, in the uh, World Juniors last year. Obviously, he's probably a shoe-in for the number one slot this year for the World Juniors for Canada. But now, you've, like I said, you've thrown a wet blanket all over my uh, enthusiasm for this guy because of how he's played at the, uh, I guess, global level. And he's playing, you know, he's playing as he should against the competition he's going up against in the WHL. So... Is this guy a flash of the pen, you know, just in the juniors, he's killing it, and then when he comes up, he's just kind of, he's going to kind of, obviously he's not going to come to the AHL and be what he is in the WHL, but what 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 is your, as you see it right now, what's your outlook on Carter Hart? It's so hard to predict with goalies, right? I mean, because... Yeah, it is. Um, you know, he's putting up these monster numbers in the WHL. This year, he had mono to start the year off, so he got a, he, he didn't start for the first month of the season, didn't play. He's come back. I, he's been preposterous. Like you said, he's 13-3-1 with a 1.32 goals against and 960 save percentage. These are like otherworldly numbers this guy's putting up. And at this point, you kind of – you know, he's he's going to be in the conversation for one of the best goalies in the history of the Canadian junior hockey system. Nice. But you look at some of the other goalies that are up there in that conversation, and I, I don't have the names in front of me, but a lot of those guys did not pan out in the NHL. Like, goalie is such a difficult position to predict how a guy's going to turn out. So, for me, 
I've been, you know, using the, you know, last year at the World Juniors and also just my own eye test at the last two Flyers development camps, where both of those development camps, I thought Felix Sandstrom was better than Carter Hart to kind of put Felix Sandstrom a little bit higher in my head than Carter Hart. However, Carter Hart, like you said, will probably be the starter for Canada at the World Juniors. Michael D.P. Pietro, who's a 18-year-old, has been really good this season. I think he was a first or second round draft pick this year. He'll probably be the backup, but Di Pietro, you know, if Carter Hart had been out a little longer with Mono, Di Pietro probably would have been the guy. They'd rather have a 19-year-old as a starting goalie, so it will probably be Carter Hart. He could be phenomenal in this year's World Juniors. It would not surprise me at all. And if he's really, really good in the World Juniors this year, that's certainly going to bump him up in my eyes a little bit. But at this point, this guy has nothing left to prove in Canadian junior hockey. He's been unbelievable. He's two shutouts away from the WHL shutout record. Now, I, I forget the name of the guy who he's chasing, but I, I don't think that guy was any good in the NHL, which is another example of sort of who knows with these young goalies who are so good at these lower levels. But you cannot ask Carter Hart to do anything else than he's been doing. It's just going to be a matter of how he transitions to the pro game. I mean, my... When I've seen him step up in competition, he's let in some soft goals. He let in some soft goals at last year's World Juniors. He let in some soft goals uh, at Flyers Development Camp. Obviously, that's a tough place to make evaluations, but he was letting in some soft goals. And so I want to see how he does when he steps up levels in competition. I'm not ready to say he's going to be a number one NHL goalie, but he has to be the, the top one or number two goal prospect in the world right right now, just based on the way that he's playing. What he broke, um, you would know better than me. He broke some. He didn't he break a record earlier this season for wins or something, or he, or sh he broke some sort of record, uh, some goalie record this season. And I think the guy that he beat out for the record was like Jonas Enroth or something like that. So that's just kind of speaking to your point that. Just because you have a large pool of success down in the CHL doesn't mean that you're going to come up to the NHL and be anything special. I'm looking at the names, you know, since 2000 in front in front of me now of guys that have won uh, the CHL Goaltender of the Year award, and none of these names really jump off of the page as being guys that had you know, a lot of success in the NHL. I mean, there's Ray Emery's on this list. Cam Ward's on this list. Obviously, Carey Price is on this list. Um, so there's guys, you know, but in a 17-year span now, uh, to only pick off three guys of that list that have had, you know, sustainable NHL careers and success. Obviously, Cam Ward won a Stanley Cup. Uh, the other two did not. Ray Emery played in the finals. Carey Price hasn't really, I mean, as dominant as the Canadians have been in recent years in the uh, regular season, they typically go to the postseason and flame out. So just, and you're a thousand percent correct, just because that he is killing it in the CHL doesn't really mean that this is going to translate into a great NHL career. And it's pretty much... I compare it to Ivan Provorov at the end of, you know, when he was done in juniors. I remember Bob McKenzie. I was watching a Flyers game. I forget who they were playing, what time of year it was. doesn't matter. Watching a Flyers game, intermission report, Bob McKenzie's on TV, and he says, talking about Ivan Provorov, he said he literally has nothing left to prove at this level, and he's too good for the AHL, so he has to be with the Flyers next season. That's pretty much where Carter Hart is somewhat. He has done all there is to do at the CHL level. It's time next year to give him the bump, and we both fully expect them to do so. He's not going to be with the Flyers next year. Um, he will be with the Phantoms most likely because there's nothing else for this kid to do in the CHL that's going to benefit his game, that's going to further progress him as a goaltender. He has to face better better competition and that's in the AHL. So if he's and he's going to be there, all that it just boils down to is how he's going to play. And another huge test is the World Juniors this year because this is literally the best of the best 
of ki- of kids his age in the world. So he's the guy. Everyone expects him to be the guy. And it all just if he has a good World Juniors, then it's just it's gonna ease my mind. I'm sure it'll ease your mind and anybody else that has, you know, because goalies are finicky. They're weird. You know, what a guy that looks good one year could be an absolute, you know, garbage player the next year. So they're very streaky in that sense. But we need to see Carter Hart progress as a player, progress as a goaltender at the higher levels before we could all start to solidify him as the number one goalie for the Flyers for the next however many years going forward. Yeah, I mean, so I just looked it up. The guy who holds the shutout record in the WHL, his name is Tyson Sex Smith. Tyson Sex Smith. He had 26 shutouts. He was drafted in the third round by the San Jose Sharks. You want to guess how many NHL games he's played in? Um, one. No, zero. Oh, nice. We'll take okay. the under on one. He played for the Vancouver Giants. He was he was a monster in the WHL. He well, he had two really good years, and he had ten shutouts one of those years and nine another one of those years. He came up and uh, he just got pummeled in the AHL. He went out to the ECHL and he was not very good there either. Now he's over in the oh no, he's he retired in 2013 after being bad in the KHL over in Russia. So. Again, Carter Hart might end up being the number one franchise goalie for the Flyers. He might be a, a uh, you know a Vezina Trophy candidate. Who knows? But you can't just judge Canadian junior success and use that to say he's going to be that. Obviously, we all hope he is, but I think this is where it comes into play that Ron Hextall has made sure every year to draft goalies in the draft. I mean, between Carter Hart, Felix Sandstrom, and Kirill Ustamenko, you gotta hope that one of those guys will become that goalie. Well, I mean, judging by how the Flyers have handled goaltending since Brian Boucher, it's um it's not in their favor that one of those guys will work out. But all optimism is uh you know, hope springs eternal as they say, and law of averages say that one of them has to be a pretty good goaltender for the Flyers. Um but, you know, hopefully and what was that guy's name? Tyson what? Tyson Sex Smith. Oh, nice. How about that for a handle? Tyson yeah, not... Sex Smith. <laughs> if if he was playing during the age of Twitter, the um the the meme makers, the meme losers would go nuts over oh my something God. like that. But Tyson oh, yeah. Sex Smith, not on the list of all time CHL goaltender of the years. So how good was he really? Apparently yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, he he went uh, his his 19-year-old – no, sorry, his 18-year-old season, he went 43-11 and 11 with a 1.89 goals against average and 9-11 save percentage and nine shutouts. So, you know, he was pretty good in the WHL. His, 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 his 19-year-old season was not quite as good as his 18-year-old season. But, um, but again, either way, he was a shutout record holder that Carter Hart's chasing after, and he never played an NHL game. So. Well, good for Tyson Sexsmith. Yeah. So the Flyers will get some much-needed muscle back. Um, coming off of his 10-game suspension will be Radko Gudis tomorrow night against Toronto. So, I mean, a guy like Gudis, who plays as physical as he does, you wonder if he's going to come out and, you know, just if he's not going to play his game because not, I don't want to say afraid, but if he is, um, you know, just if he's just, if he's a little bit shy, maybe, I don't know the word, you, you know, you go with here for, you know, he doesn't want to come out full bore maybe because he knows that the referees and the league is now eyeing him, you know, a guy that has a 10-game suspension is, you know, he's on some list somewhere as a guy that if he comes across for another hearing or if he does something else, you know, he's going to get hit pretty hard. So I'm curious to see if you think that Radko Gudis will be the Radko Gudis that, you know, Flyers fans have come to pretty much admire, you know, the, the, the big hitter, the guy that gets in everyone's face. I think that he needs and he was has been doing really well recently up until that stupid penalty he took in Winnipeg where he nearly you know cut a guy's head off with his stick he's played 
smart. He hasn't been taking the dumb penalties as much and, you know, taking the runs at people, getting the stupid suspensions, the stupid game misconducts, and then he does that, and he regressed. But I wonder if you think that Radko Gudis is going to play like Radko Gudis likes to play, or if you think he's going to dial it back for a little bit at least, and how effective he's going to be if he has to dial it back. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when Gudis came back, from his suspension, I don't know, was it last year? Well, he's, he's had three suspensions, right? I think a one-gamer, a three-gamer, now this ten-gamer. And he came back from the three-gamer, and I think he was pretty effective. Here's the thing with Gudis, right? I mean, the, the play, like you said, he's been suspended for trying to chop a guy's head off and some boards from behind and just some some sort of some irresponsible plays with his, his elbows and stick. He's he's probably one of the best hip checkers in the league, and those are hard to have an illegal hip check unless it's just straight up interference. So I think that there there should be a way for him to come back and throttle it back, you know, be good in his own zone, play tough on the puck, take guys out of the play with hip checks uh, and open ice checks, keeping his elbow down. He's just got to concentrate on not making these dumb, dangerous plays. Can he do it? Probably. But, you know, here's my big thing with Gudis is if, if Sam Moran, they just, he probably would have been called up last week or two weeks ago if he hadn't been injured uh, with, with Gudis out of the lineup. Moran is this guy that, you know, everyone kind of doesn't know where the Flyers stand on him. The way I see it developing is it looks to me like the Flyers only want to have one guy like Radko Gudis in the lineup who's a bruiser. Um, and and Moran's kind of like the replacement for him. For my, so my hope was that the Flyers might look to, to trade Radko Gudis at some point this year or next year to make room for Sam Moran. And uh, I just think getting suspended for 10 games doesn't really help his trade value. Mm-hmm. I'd really like him to come back and and play smart for the rest of the year, or at least for the next few months. And I think he can do it, but the microscope is certainly going to be out. And, and anything he does is just going to be looked at even closer by the uh, NHL department of player safety. I love their videos uh, at 13 minutes and 24 seconds of the second period. Radko Gudis. I, I just love their videos. Yeah. I think they're great. Um, but uh, look, I hope he can come back and dial it back a little bit. He should be able to, and hopefully not make these dumb plays because he is a very good defenseman. That's one of the real sort of it's not a, not a tragedy, but one of the real sort of upsetting things about Gudis' perception around the league is people just see him as a dirty player and not as a good hockey player. But he is a good hockey player. Like he's a good defenseman when he wants to be and when he concentrates and doesn't make stupid plays. So I hope he can get back to that level because that really helps the team and. I think it'll help Travis Sanheim too. Those two guys were, were starting to get into a pretty nice rhythm together. And, you know, Sanheim's going to be back with Gudis Tuesday night. So hopefully, uh, you know, that can help, help Sanheim out. So we'll see. I, I think there's still hope. But, you know, with each suspension this guy gets, it's, it, it's a little harder and harder to put your faith in him. Does, uh, does the player's safety, whatever the hell it is, does it have a little bit less gravitas when you have guys in charge of it, like Brendan Shanahan and um, <clears throat> Chris George, Pronger? George, yeah, Wait, George Peros, too, I think. I yeah. think George Peros is in it. I mean, they have these guys that when they played were just pests on the ice, and now they're in charge of player safety, and they want to talk about... I mean, these are guys that played in an era where you could pretty much hook a guy from behind and then, you know, just drag him down by his face, and that was just all okay. And now they're enforcing these much softer rules. I, I find it pretty uh, pretty hilarious. The only thing that would, you know, make it more funny is if they, you know, hired Todd Bertuzzi to, you know, help have some high-ranking position in the uh, player safety division of the NHL. Here's what not to do. Don't hit it. Don't basically assault a guy on the ice and try to kill him from behind. I love Matthew Kachuk got suspended uh, last week for, I think either while he was on the bench or while the guy that he was kind of irritating was on the bench. He, he poked him in a, in a, uh, 
very bad spot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the guy came back on the ice and he got seven or 10 games. Chuck got suspended for a game. He came back two games later and he got suspended again. It's just like an idiot. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I love it. I think George Peros is the head of Department of Player Safety. And he was known for having the killer mustache and just beating the hell out of opposing players in fights. So I, you know, I, I don't know who, who knows, um, you know, I don't know. Hopefully Gudis can stay out of George Peros's spotlight. I want to see the, um, the return of the stick fighting, you know, like back in the seventies. Like in Slapshot? Like exactly. Like in Slapshot where they just pretty much like samurais sword fighting with their sticks. Something like that would be nice. I mean, if you really want to appeal to the NHL fans, the outside fan that maybe isn't as interested, I think if they see two warriors on the ice on skates, sword fighting, that would be interesting. That would draw in more fans. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. You know, it's, Bob you, Clark you put have the, a clinic. Uh, yeah, you put the sumo wrestlers in that. You've got samurai warriors on the blue line with, uh, you know, basically you take the blade off of your stick and there's an actual sword blade underneath. Yes. Kind of like the running man, you know? <laughs> Do you see the running man, the Schwarzenegger movie? They've got that character sub zero. No, the, uh, I've never the, seen that. The, oh, unbelievable. You got to watch that movie. Schwarzenegger is basically on a game show where there's all these different, um, gladiators who try to kill him. And one of the gladiators is a, it's a sort of like a skating sumo warrior. And he's got this big goalie stick that's just a huge scythe sword type of thing. And I think if the Flyers got that guy in net, Sub-Zero, <laughs> I think that would be pretty exciting. This sounds like an 80s movie. Yeah, uh, you're pretty sure. Yeah. Wasn't even a gleam in anyone's eye in the 80s, was I. Uh, well, you should go back and revisit some of those Schwarzenegger movies, man. Well, I got the fire fan- stick. I'll check it out on that, maybe. Ah, uh, there you go. Speaking of drawing in new fans, I guess the big news of the week in the NHL is they um, have approved the... I don't even know the, the terminology they use, but they basically are going to accept an application from Seattle for expansion. This coming off the heels of Seattle spending like $66 million on renovations to Key Arena. Uh, that kind of excites me, having a team in Seattle. I don't know why. There's always – I feel like there's always just been something missing, really. With the, They never even – I don't think have, have attempted an NHL franchise in Seattle. I like the fact that Seattle is getting I, – I, I hated when the Supersonics left the NBA – and move to fucking Oklahoma City. Like, anyone gives a shit about that place. But I think it'd be cool to have a nice um, Flyers road trip up to Seattle. Maybe you could get it, you know, during a weekend where the Eagles are up there or something. But Seattle seems like a cool city to have an NHL team. Seattle's an awesome city. It's I, I went to a Flyers game in Vancouver, and on my way there, we stopped in Seattle for a couple of days. It's awesome. And Seattle's really fun. They've got this awesome seafood market, and it's just a really hip, fun city. Yeah, I think that's a good place for an NHL franchise. You know, uh, Seattle's got a team in the WHL, and that's where uh, Matthew Barzal, who's currently lighting it up for the New York Islanders as a rookie, played mm-hmm. his junior hockey. So they, you know, I, they they they've really supported that WHL team, and I think I think Seattle will be a good place. What I'm interested to see is how are they going to handle the expansion? I mean, the Vegas expansion seemed like just such a clusterfuck that are they going to handle it the same way or player or, or NHL team is going to be able to protect more guys. I mean, clearly Vegas has put together a very good hockey team. And yeah. so maybe, maybe they were allowed to, uh, maybe NHL should be allowed to protect a, instead of seven fours and three defensemen and a goalie, maybe they can protect eight forwards and four defensemen or who knows but it's going to be interesting to see how the nhl handles the expansion but yes i agree seattle should be a pretty cool place for an nhl franchise i think how it should be is the other owners in the league should get together in a meeting and say we're just going to give this seattle team all of our castoffs that nobody else wants and that will be the team and we'll just give them like extra draft picks or something that way a guy like Andrew McDonald can just be given away. That would be great. Uh, How you know. is it? 
know, usually the expansion team, historically in sports, is the worst team in the league for about 10 years. And now this Vegas team comes in, and they're tearing it up. And this team of, you know, that was patchworked together in early June is seems to be light years ahead of a Flyers team that has been playing together for the last three or four years. How about this? The Vegas Golden Knights have scored 103 goals this season. The Flyers have scored 83. I think 80 of them yeah, came the from Vegas the top Golden line. Knights, the, the Vegas Golden Knights have scored 20 more goals than the Philadelphia Flyers. Jesus. How is that even possible? I don't know. I mean, they... They, they put together a pretty nice team. When you look at it on paper, I mean, just starting with the goalie at fucking um, Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, you don't, most expansion teams don't get to have a cornerstone. I don't want to say cornerstone because he's old as shit, but you usually don't get a guy like that. And James Neal killed it last year for Nashville, and I was surprised as hell that they didn't protect him, and that was a great pickup for Vegas. Yeah, James Neal was, and of course, Pierre-Edward Belmar. Let's right. not forget about him. MVP of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, exactly. And Marc-Andre Fleury's been injured for a while now. They've been playing uh, P.K. Subban's younger brother, Malcolm Subban. How about that? I know. Those two teams played against each other. It went to a seven-round shootout uh, last weekend, and uh, no P.K. Subban. How do you not put? How do you not do brother against brother out there? You got to do no that one... when it gets and down. And went like 0 for 7 in the shootout. Come when on, it gets put down P.K. To, like... out. When it gets down to like the sudden death part of the shootout, that's when you put brother versus brother, yeah. and s- that's when they just revert back to the basement or the backyard, the driveway, the pond, and they're just kids again. And you know that that's bragging rights for the holiday season coming up. So a, a, a huge screw up by Laviolette, uh, not putting in PK Subban in that shootout. Someone should have reprimanded him perhaps fired him that way the flyers then fire dave haxtell hire peter laviolette and the flyers go to the stanley cup the only i was out in vegas about a month ago and i made three bets i looked at the nhl odds and at this point the predators were like third in the division the only team that i thought had any value anywhere in the nhl was the predators i got them at five to one to win the division I got them at six to one to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and twelve to one to win the Stanley Cup. But I thought that five to one on the Predators to win that division was insane. They were like the the third or fourth choice when I bet it, and I think they've won like six of seven since. But uh, but yeah, I'm, that that's a team I'm rooting for this year in the Western Conference to uh, help my pocketbook out. Yeah, I mean, I've always had well, not always, but recently. You know, I've kind of always pulled a little bit for Nashville, the Predators, because I love Nashville, the city. And watching them in the finals last year, A, it was awesome seeing a team in Tennessee take to the sport of hockey so much. But every time that they showed Broadway and Nashville, the overhead shots, I just got this overwhelming feeling of jealousy that I wasn't there because some of the best nights of my life took place in Nashville. So, if they somehow go back, as it looks right now, we're on a collision course for the two biggest hockey markets in the NHL, Nashville and Tampa Bay, facing off in the Stanley Cup Final. It's going to be a huge ratings grab for the league. It's going to be awesome. Um, But if Nashville makes it back, I definitely want to try to get out there uh, for, you know, a nice weekend of partying with a uh, a bunch of people that, you know, Two years ago, didn't know the difference between a hockey puck and, I don't know, a cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. No, that looked awesome. One of my buddies is a big Penguins fan, and he uh, he went mm. to one of those Stanley Cup Finals games in Nashville. He was like, he's never, he said he's never seen anything like it. There were just people partying in the streets all day long before the game. Yeah, and, that's... Uh, yeah, I think it would be great to go to a game there. I think he said that the game he was at literally... I think it was game six where the Penguins won the cup. He said that all, every single fan in the stadium was standing the entire game. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that last um, weekend, uh, game six was actually, and this amplified the party down there, was actually during the uh, country music festival down there. So 
the partying in the streets was probably during the day was probably for the Contra Mucus Festival because every year they literally barricade off all of lower Broadway where all the bars and the restaurants are. And it's literally just a free-for-all in the streets all day. It's awesome. So to have that in the Stanley Cup Finals, it was probably probably like one of the greatest weekends of all time anywhere. Yep. Yeah, your no, fr- it's it's for sure. Your friend probably took a few years off of his life being down there. Good for him. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking over the the standings in the league, and the biggest surprise, of course, is the Devils. And also, maybe you want to say Pittsburgh, who's fighting for a playoff spot at this point. They have 35 points, and they're tailed by one point um, to the New York Rangers. So that, those are two huge storylines. Two hated rivals, not so much the Devils in recent years because they haven't, I mean, playoff games build rivalries, and the Flyers, you know, haven't had really a, a good game or an important game against the Devils since LaPerriere got his face blown up by a puck. Um, so what... What do you think is more likely? The de- who stays on their current track? Who is more likely to stay on their current course? Pittsburgh or the Devils? I do not think that the Devils are ultimately going to make the playoffs. And they've actually slipped wow. a few spots in the standings the last week. I mean, they're, they were, they've been leading the division basically from the start of the season, but now they're third in the division. The Blue Jacks and the Capitals have gone past them. Um, the Islanders are, and the Islanders and the Penguins are one point behind them. The Rangers are two points behind them. So I still think that when you, at the end of the season, when you look at the Metro division, I think that, you know, the Blue Jackets are probably going to end up winning the division. The Caps and Penguins will probably be second and third. And I think the the wild card teams will probably be the Islanders and the Rangers. Um, so that's, that's what I think is going to happen there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, look, the Devils have been a great story, but they're, they're simply not as good as their record indicates at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, Nico Heeshier has been, been good for them. You know, we talked a little bit before we, we, we started the show, just you and me, you know, he's looking at the ice side between Heeshier and Nolan Patrick, and Heeshier's playing about 16 minutes a game. He's on their top line. I don't think that's a good sign for their long-term viability this season, though, because he's an 18-year-old. You know, cut it, cut it either way. And he's been okay. He's got, you know, five goals. He's got 20 points. He's got more points than Wayne Simmons. But I just, in the end, I don't think that team's got enough depth to hold off teams like the Islanders, Penguins, and Rangers. So I think that the Devils will not end up in the playoffs. I, I think, I'm just, like, it's amazing to me how close together the Eastern Conference is. I mean, just looking at the Metropolitan, Columbus leads with 39 points. And then you have the Capitals and Devils, second and third, with 37 and 36 points. And you already mentioned the Islanders and Pittsburgh and the Rangers are one and two points behind being uh, one of the top three teams in their division. So from a Flyers perspective, and I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and this is the optimistic fan talking that, oh, they're only – you know, four or five points out of a playoff spot or whatever. It's, and this is why, you know, going back to what you said earlier, this is why this five-game homestand comes at such a great time for the Flyers because if they could string together, you know, another three wins in this streak, it's going to put them in a pretty good position. Now, whether or not they could hold that position remains to be seen, but I think where fans are probably going to get hurt mostly or hurt most this season is the fact that the uh, division is the the division and the conference is so close together. The Flyers are probably going to hang around that middle of the pack all season where they're only going to be like four or five points out of a playoff spot, whether it's the wild card or the you know third spot in the top three. And I think that ultimately, if they don't make the playoffs, fans are going to be more hurt because they hung around. But if you really just look at the team for how they're constructed, they're a lot further out than the points would suggest they are. 
Yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult to, you know, you could say, hey, look, the Flyers are only, uh, you know, six points out of a playoff spot, right? But then you look at it and look at the teams that they have to jump over to get into the playoffs, and it's just not very likely to happen, especially with a team that has been battling inconsistency all season um, and is relying on a number of rookie defensemen in the lineup. So, you know, the Flyers probably not going to make the playoffs, but it's uh, like you said, I mean, they're probably also not going to be so bad that they just don't sell everything off. It's, it's kind of a not great spot to be in. The Flyers lucked out last year winning the lottery and getting Nolan Patrick, even though they were the ninth worst team in the league. And uh, I think you could probably project that the Flyers are going to finish about the same spot this year. They'll probably be you know, between the eighth and the 12th worst teams in the league at the end of the season. This year's draft is really good. They've got two picks in the first round. So they should be adding another another really good player with their first pick and a, a pretty good player with the, the second pick in the first round. So you, um, you read a lot more than I do, these beat writers, both nationally and here with the Flyers. So <clears throat> my question to you, is John Boric on the Mount Rushmore of Flyers beat writers? Man, he's he's an idiot. I mean, he's, he, it's, the it's, guy is a complete asshole, and he just makes a fucking fool out of himself every chance he gets. It's guys like him. It's guys like John Boric that give Twitter a bad name because it gives a forum for morons like him to just go spouting off at the mouth and saying whatever dumb thought comes to their head, thinking that people actually are interested in what he has to say. But in large part, if you look at what people say back to him, it's like 90% negative and 10% people trying to get responded back to from a quote-unquote famous person. How about his tweet like last week or a couple weeks ago where he said that his, his, uh, like his son's football team was wearing pink uniforms or something and he yeah. said they should put it in a Victoria's Secret bag he just seems like an idiot I mean you know I don't I don't know what, what you know I used to be a um, a uh, PR a head of uh, media relations for a horse racing company and they, you know I dealt with all these reporters and a lot of them were really smart really intelligent did a really good job but there were a couple guys who just were not good they were lazy they weren't very smart and you know, it was kind of, I got to see these guys had a big followings on Twitter and, uh, you know, they had a big, uh, big column in some of the major New York newspapers and they just weren't that smart. And so a lot of times people assume that these guys who get these jobs covering major sports teams know what they're doing, but that's, that's not how it works all the time. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, nepotism and who knows how these people get their job. So, um, yeah, I mean, John Baruch, just you know, just ignore it, right? I mean, to me, when you look at Flyers beat reporters, you're looking at, at um, you know, uh, my thinking of um, Charlie O'Connor's really good with the Athletic, and Bill Meltzer obviously is great writing for Hockey Buzz, and um, you know, the Courier Journal. Dave, I, why can't I think of his last name right now? Isaac. Yeah, Dave Isaac's really good with the Courier Journal. Uh, Sam Karshitty is okay with the Inquirer, but, uh, but you know, I think those first three guys are the ones you really want to read if you want daily flyers, uh, Charlie O'Connor and Dave Isaac and Bill Meltzer. But, yeah, John Baruch is trash. Well, what was funny about his tweet, and I actually thought that the tweet about the, uh, it was a basketball team, his son's basketball team shirt, I found it to be actually pretty funny. I was, I was more upset that they made him um, – you know, write an apology about it, but that's just a whole political issue and it doesn't need to be discussed. But I find it quite ironic that a guy that dresses and wears the pastel colors that he does then has the balls to turn around and make fun of his son's, like, what it, like what could it be, 10-year-old basketball team for wanting to wear pink. So really talking out of, like, you know, talking out of his ass as he mostly does when... And I think, like, later on that night when he was on what, whatever it is now, NBC Sports Philadelphia, the the biggest mouthful of a network name in the history of networks, I think later that night he was then wearing a pink shirt. Like, you know, the people of the world are stupid and don't see what the hell you're trying to do. 
But I, that's John Bork is part of a greater issue that is NBC Sports Philadelphia. I think nobody on that entire network is. I mean, there's a couple guys they have for the Eagles. Obviously, Ray Dinninger, and then when they have Seth Joyner on for the post game show. But a network that gives an ex governor who's basically just a fan and no smarter than you or I are at talking about sports, when they gave him such a big forum on a major post game show for literally the biggest team in the city, that really tells you all you need to know about the bullshit that NBC Sports Philly pumps out and has been pumping out for the last couple of years now. And they, they pretty much went the way of ESPN, and anybody that had any smart sense about the sports they, are, they were covering, just they just cut them, and they brought in these new young people that are, you know, fresh. They're getting their first big job on a big network, quote-unquote big network. And, you know, it's, it, it's a hot-take society that we're part of now. Everyone just wants to... It's all clickbait bullshit. It's all who can come up the the hottest take, the biggest scorcher of a take. And NBC Sports Philly has just fallen into that trap. And in my eyes, they have zero credibility as far as anything is concerned with covering sports. Yeah, no, I agree. I just I tune those guys out for the most part. Yeah, it's 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 Homer, um, and I understand because they're in the city, and there's that idiot out there that would get on Twitter. You guys are you you guys are in Philly and you're talking negatively about our teams, but to to most of the smart fans out there, they want to hear just you know yeah you're in Philly you're talking about Philly teams. They want to hear unbiased coverage and not just oh it's all sunshine and rainbows around here and we're just hold waiting on for the next championship. Before we get off here, um, I don't want to bore the people too much with our with our dribble, but I know you had a um, a bit of a gripe, a bit of a. Uh, you feel a, a huge injustice has been made has been made at the world junior level. Have you have you not? Yes, I, I do. It's and I keep getting this as a Canadian politics bullshit. But so here's the situation: Flyers first round pick Morgan Frost. He's 18 years old. His uh, Salt Saint Marie Greyhounds have won 17 games in a row. Morgan Frost is third in the league with 47 points in 30 games. He leads the league with a plus 33. He's anchoring their first line. Not only does he not make it onto Canada's championship team, he does not even get an invite. I mean, how does this guy not get an invite? And so, you know, I, I was going back and forth to some of the Flyers' uh, pundits on this, and sort of the consensus is that, well, Canadian junior hockey is very political, right? So mm-hmm. it's 18- and 19-year-olds are eligible, and – Normally, they like having mainly 19-year-olds, and the 18-year-olds that they have are usually guys who are really good. Well, he's really good, and some of the other 18-year-olds on the team are guys that, quite honestly, are not having as good of seasons as Morgan Frost. And so the, the rationale there that is being spewed forth, spewed forth is that, well, those guys have already represented Canada at their under-18 team. And so you really need to have at least played on a Canadian team to make the world junior team as an 18-year-old. I, the whole thing's bullshit. Like if, and, and quite honestly, I can see why, you know, why they lost last year. Like if this is the way that these guys are, are managed, um, this team, like Morgan Frost should be on the Canadian junior national team. He's having an incredible team, an uh, incredible season for Salt St. Marie. It's, it's a crime that this guy is not even getting an opportunity to prove himself as a tryout. So thrilled that the Flyers drafted him, uh, and he's putting up these numbers. But uh, I, I wish I would have got a chance to see him at the World Junior. So hopefully next year he makes the team, um, the the World Junior team, assuming that he doesn't make the Flyers. I mean, he's look, he's the season he's having as an eighteen year old is probably better than the season that Travis Konechny had as an eighteen year old before he made the Flyers the following season. I don't think that Morgan Frost is going to make the Flyers. He probably needs to fill out a little more physically. But you could argue that at the same time that you know, Morgan Frost is is better than Travis Konechny was at the same age. So, you know, I think it's a little ridiculous not in the World Juniors. Uh, the Flyers are not going to have nearly as many guys in the World Juniors as they had the last few years. I think they had like six or seven two years ago and eight or nine last year, which was incredible. This year – 
you know, it's going to be Carter Hart, probably starting 14 Canada. Uh, German Rupsov, the 19-year-old, will probably one of the key guys for Russia. A defenseman for Sweden, Linus Hogberg, has had a really good season. He'll probably be there. Those are probably the three main guys for uh, representing the Flyers at the World Juniors. Max um, Sushko also, I think, on Lafayette or Belarus. But, um, yeah, Morgan Frost should have been there. Not going to be there. It sucks. Yeah. Um, I pretty much can't say anything in addition to that. You covered it all. You, uh, you spoke eloquently of the travesty that Team Canada has um, has done our fi- our um, our own version of Sidney Crosby. Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right, Dan. It's that part of the show. Well, actually, let's um, it's it's not that part of the show yet to do the plugs. It's that part of the show to do the picks, and between now and next week, as my NHL app slowly loads on my phone. Here we go. So between now and next week, the Flyers have a game every other day. So we'll count the Kings into this count. So Toronto, Buffalo, Dallas, and the Kings. Of those four, how many do they win? How many do they lose? I think they're going to go two and two. I think um, maybe maybe three, uh, maybe three maybe two, one, and one. So I think that the Maple Leafs, I think that they're probably going to lose the Maple Leafs game, but it might be an overtime or shootout uh-huh. game. So I'll say, I say they're going to lose the Maple Leafs four to three. I think they'll beat the Sabres. Although they do have a habit of playing down to the level of competition. So they might lose the Sabres, but I'll give them a win against the Sabres. I'll say uh, five to two. And I think that they will beat the Stars also uh, by a tally of three to two in overtime, and then I think they'll lose to the Kings three to one. The Kings are one of the best teams in the league this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think they're playing style. I don't think the Flyers really match up well with the Kings, so I think they'll lose that game. But so I'm going to say they're going to go uh, two one and one over the next week. What do you think? Um, I'm just going to say a flat out two and two. I agree pretty much with everything you just said. I think they're losing tomorrow to Toronto. I think them beating Buffalo was an absolute fucking lock. If they lose to Buffalo, they should be just embarrassed and ashamed of themselves. Um, but they, they lost Dallas, Arizona. That's true. That's true. They had probably their worst game of the season against Arizona. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it as a lock. Don't diminish my lock, please. On okay, the win against sorry. Buffalo. Sorry, lock of the week. Okay, so Buffalo is a lock win. Um, Dallas, I'll give them the win on that. A nice Saturday night game. And, yeah, the Kings are good as shit once again, so I don't think the Flyers have much of a chance against the Kings. But they've had games this year where they play up to better teams, and you're right, they play down to uh, teams beneath them. Not that there's many. Uh, But, yeah, I'll give them a a 500 record over the next four, two and two. Hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully they go 4-0. It's unlikely, but now it's your favorite part of the show. You get to plug your shit yourself on Twitter, so go ahead and do that. Yeah, so uh, throw me a follow on Twitter. It's at DSilver88. The 88 is for Eric Lindros. And uh, follow along at uh, our website, www.phillyisflyer.com. It's been kind of a crazy few months for me with uh, changing jobs and moving so I have not been writing a number of articles you know not a lot of articles in the last month or so but I'm hoping to get going again and certainly after the world juniors I'll have an update on the Flyers top prospects Um, but uh, we've got a lot of great content up at www.phillyisflyer.com so check it out and follow me on Twitter at uh, dsilver88 Eric Lindros retirement night coming up in about a month against Toronto I'll be there yeah, that's that's uh that's your night to shine. But yeah. and we'll get down the road. We'll get into whether or not the uh, the eighty eight also gets retired on your uh, Twitter handle. So that yeah. that's something for the uh, for the listeners out there to pay attention to. Anyway, as for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's two ends. There you will find my 
many yellings about all of Philly sports, not just the orange and black. And you can follow the show, which is just me again, only Flyers banter. Uh, that's at underscore getting bullied. Of course, follow the lovely people of phileasflyers.com for all your Flyers needs. So until now, oh, and once I forgot, on Friday will be the first uh, getting bullied uh, weekly update show. Like a quick 15 to 20 minute sprint to uh, hold you over between this episode and the next. Be trying to do that every Friday. Different Philly is Flyer and hopefully other guests um, every week. So uh, check that out on Friday then. Uh, of course, check back in next week for the next episode of Riveting Flyers Talk right here on Getting Bullied. So until then, let's go Flyers. <laughs>